0: there yeah it's Fred and we're uh still with Dale and uh, which is my pleasure of course and we're cruising on down the road here again but we're just talking about other things so I thought I might as well take advantage of having my friend Dale cooped up in the truck with me I can do one more episode for you with him at my side hey Dale hello Fred now all we have to do is remember what we were talking about. This is
1: where the awkward pause always comes in. Yes. And then you recombobulate your brain. Well, we're we're, uh, we're basically on our way back out of the map. Going through the clear cut that we described in the last episode. And from this side, you can really see the alder from on this, uh, where there's been why really steep faces and this is literally oh okay so what are you saying is okay we're both
0: saying it because we're trying to describe it verbally which is not always easy there is another steep slope with um that i believe you're referring to and there's a um on that steep slope at about halfway up we'll call it the mesoslope. slope looks like it's actually facing southwest yep And on that slope, then, there's basically primarily green, evergreen trees, except for in this band where I guess it's probably pretty steep and there may have been some sliding. And inside of those slide areas where the slopes are a little more unstable, the uh, alders really have a tenacity there that outcompetes other trees and then provides uh, the opportunity to do what they do, which is uh, fix nitrogen for the soil through their life cycle. And they're a relatively short-lived species. But anyhow, we're staring straight at a big hillside, and Dale's pointing out this hillside. There's no leaves on the tree. There's just a whole bunch of um, red alders uh, canopy at the middle part of this slope surrounded by green. And it's a tapestry of trees. And I'm going to be quiet now.
1: And now every, oh, 100 yards, there's a deep ravine and gullies. And the gully, when, when it was logged, this was back in the days that they slash burned after they logged. And the ground there was too steep to slash burn, but they burnt it anyways. And that destroyed the cohesion of the root structure and everything that holds the soil together. Uh, and what has happened there is each one of those gullies has flushed out all the soil in it down below here to the valley. And that's why the and then the alder takes has taken over. So it's basically that's all damaged ground that the alders, in the midst of repairing. So just to back out of, like we're talking, okay, basically, I've
0: kind of described this notion of uh, hierarchical reasoning. So what that basically means is sometimes you look really close, uh, you know, at, uh, you know, really specifically at the head of a pin. Then you back up, you can hardly see the pin at all. Then you don't even know it's there, but you believe it's there. So we're looking at something uh, right now, which is probably hard for you to understand really what's we're talking about. So we're talking about um, ecological systems here in a way that relates to the uh, character of this physical structure, which is a small miniature compressed mountain. Remember, we're on island ecosystems, and it's been logged before. I can see a cliff up there. Yep,
1: yeah. That's what divides. What, what do you call the mid-slope? Uh, yeah, well, you can see there's a bench. Yeah, there is a bench there. right? And that, it goes right across.
0: Okay, now that's good habitat. See, right in here, that would be prime habitat for a goshawk in there. If they could handle this type of fragmentation, which we have all around us. But I'll also say there's a, there's a band of old growth in there because you can see all the snags. Yes. And so the in the past, they obviously never logged that because... Um, the cliff, there. that so, cliff yeah, that goes all the way along yeah. both
1: ways, and then below, so. the top of it was helicopter logged in the yeah, in the nineties. It's quite that? a bit younger.
0: But even inside, there's some remnant trees, like there's that big spruce there, right? Yeah. And so, like, okay, in other areas, in the mainland, you know, or across the continent, we call them pocket forests or whatever, surrounded by agriculture. Here we have um, pocket forests, which are different seral stages, age structures of the forest. And the age, st- age structures direct rel- dri- directly relate to human um, disturbances such as logging, right? And so they have um, these pocket forests, which are remnants that never got logged, which are then surrounded by uh, regenerative forests of different age structures and size structures. Through the period of that process and other natural processes, the um, there was erosion. And uh, the, the parts of the slope became unstable, but have been then repaired by what Dale calls the band-aid of nature out here, which is these red alders. So, in a very basic way, that's what we're talking about. You can see some big
1: snags in those alders too. Here. And that's from the burn. The burn. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I think the burn got into some timber at the back end. Because it certainly looks like it all the way up on the on the edge. Yeah. It looks like a slash burn that got away, uh-huh. and then. Where that alder is all growing in the strip, it should it should only be in vertical strips. Strip yeah. Uh, where the land is filled in slides normally. Right. But here, this is a rare place where you can see the vertical strips, but also there's that horizontal band that's got to be a hundred yards wide, right in the middle of the mountain. Okay, so this is what lift. I'm talking about.
0: Um, this is what I'm talking about. Windowing in and out. So Dale and I are now looking at a really intimate way on this face of um, mountain that is very difficult to describe to you. So you wouldn't even maybe know, or maybe they do know. You can,
1: when we're looking at it, we're looking at about a 900-foot slope, very, very steep, but even, and then midway up a cliff, and then the slope continuing. The alder go laterally from the bottom of the cliff on a line about 100 meters across, plus every gully. it oh, shows the bench. There's a line of alder down. So it's not uncommon to see alder coming vertically in strips down a mountainside where land slides have happened. It's very unusual to have bands of alder going laterally across a slope. That's a completely different kettle of fish. Uh, well, I mean,
0: I think one of the interesting things to note, interesting things to remember about this whole exercise is that Dale, first of all, guys like us, it's just fun to like get right into it. But it's hard to share that across in a different way. The but easy why, why example not?
1: is right up here. Fred, right up here, we're going to come across an alluvial fan of slide material it was but fresh on the road. See it right there? Yeah. Where that alder is growing? Yes. That's when they burnt that steep ground yeah. and destroyed the structure. This And it's taken 25 years. Sure. The, this this comes from the bottom of that cliff. You see it's not mud. No, it's not. Like, it's it's like shale. It's shale. Yeah. It comes from those cliffs. And where that alder is growing, nothing has been able to grow except the alder because of basically constant erosion, and it's ending up down here. Yeah, I guess what I was trying to say is that um, we're looking at
0: that in such an intimate way, but then, of course, most of what we're looking at has been totally disturbed by human activities. We're not looking at the old growth forest, which are some of the areas which I've really had the um, honor to cruise around in and see. So it's also notable to remember that when we're talking about that landscape, we were only looking at one small section of of, um, the original forest, which was a pocket forest that endured the legacy of humans right there, and it's still there, and um, so those are the little subtle transitions that we're looking at, it's the age structure of the forest, we're looking at the disturbances, and then Dale and I are describing in an intimate way the complexities of how the trees are going relative to disturbances and basically the thing to take away from that is that red alders always usually win at first with disturbed soils and then other trees follow and so they always come in first but they don't always win because they drop too early and then get shaded out by the rest of the coniferous forest later.
1: They're an enabler species. Later succession, they- yeah. They start out, they're successful, and then they give all the nutrients back to the next species as soon as they're overcome. Right.
0: Yeah,
1: so if, you know, it's, you know,
0: okay, so what we're talking about here is nature, right? And nature is the common theme of of my show here. And so that's really the subject that I always want to express with this program. So that would be my main concern. So it's just fun to talk at any level with a friend, which we, Dale and I do this all the time, and you know, we just talk about it, but it may seem obscure uh, to some of you, but the takeaway is that there's so many ways to appreciate and observe the natural realm. Uh, It's important to um, have fun with it, but... My perspective, too, is also to try, in my own way, we're looking at interpreting ecological health, let these concepts of ecological health. You may have heard of the term of ecological integrity. These are all just words that,
1: yeah, see, we're we're right going through a slide here. Dale's pointing out a slide. Go ahead. Just saying there's, see, the alder, that's a vertical alder strip because yeah, of slides. That's, that's what's good. common. But look at all the ferns, too, right? And the fern, the, the fern are a pretty good indicator ferns. here there's sword so many fern, of
0: them. The sword fern at yeah. the base, the whole bottom understory is just also dominated by sword ferns here. So, that's other, another thing that seems to be unique in a sense. Because remember, we were talking earlier about ecotypes? This is a small transition, and the, one of the distinguishing characteristics here is the fact that you have this not only the alder, but the association of the sword ferns in this, this little
1: scree slide here, which is Maybe often a, prefer, a preferred food of the, of the deer here. Uh, and it's yeah. not as plentiful as it used to be, but there's a really good population of it right here. It's really awkward to walk around inside the jumble,
0: because uh, it's all rock jumble, and it's got um, you know, vegetation all... on top which is matted down, and if you're a deer with your spindly split hoof feet, you know, really do you want to venture into that and break your leg? I mean, I guess if you're totally food stressed,
1: you would. See how it's just slide after slide all the way along here? Yeah, that's Look at that, yeah, that disturbed ground.
0: Essentially, we're looking at these shoots of um, debris uh, that would include, you know, rock rubble and topsoil and branches and trees and biomass. And just it's
1: only on a really together. good only on a really good year do I walk it because it's such a pain to walk, especially when you get halfway up. But uh, on a good chanterelle years they get chanterelles never grow in association with them with those alders but you still walk that ground looking for the the little isolated patches of evergreens are where all the all the mushrooms grow okay now he's
0: talking just for a moment to clarify he just keeps saying chanterelles and mushrooms and stuff dale's a bit of a mushroom guy and uh so when he talks he'll throw out words that will include aspects uh related to mushrooms so, I always feel compelled that I might have to stop and clarify whatever's happening around me so that others might appreciate what's the conversation, and that's not to be
1: anything other than helpful. So, anyways, what's a chanterelle, Dale? We have two kinds of chanterelles we have the Pacific chanterelle and the Golden chanterelle that grow here. They grow in, in, it Requires massive disturbance of second-growth forests to get enough of them to to to, to really make a difference. Oh, but yeah. the people come from around the world to pick them here. Right. In the fall months, usually from Labor Day until Halloween. But do you sh- really want to say that the don't mm-hmm. grow? But, oh, well, the interesting thing is they they can they'll they'll come from Eastern Canada, Eastern United States to pick. Uh, and six years out of eight, you can do quite well and have a lot of fun. And two years out of eight. Mushrooms just yeah, don't it's come highly variable, and you, and you spend all have. your money to have a good holiday. It's there's no guarantee. That, there's no guarantee that any time that getting into the wild food industry that every year produces differently. And there's some years that you're out there and it's wasted time. You can barely feed yourself, let alone sell anything. Well, I mean, the interesting.
0: I just want to make one. Since you said that, I just want to note that since my, I'm always going to be bringing things back to these notions of uh, ecological integrity or, or whatever. it would by that is the natural condition of the landscape. That's one way of putting it. And so I always compare statements or whatever, like this place, Kaida has always for a long time uh, supported um, all kinds of food for human beings, which came from this land. And that came uh, in a bountiful way with lots of profusion. And so um, the, interesting, the interesting thing to note about that notion that idea is the fact that everything's coming just directly from nature and from your surroundings in nature, and there is all kinds of profusion. And as part of that, all that you're, you know, doing pretty good. It's the richest ecos- It's the richest natural ecosystem left on the planet, I believe. Right. So, but it it it's still it's still being uh, stressed at certain levels. So so when when we're talking about hillsides and stuff like that, that's one of the things. But I mean, we could talk about a whole host of other things. But you know, that's what we're talking about today. Anyways, it's uh, all I'm saying is um, I know that everybody, a lot of people out there, reflect on on the condition of the ecosystems in the outlying regions of Canada, where most people don't live. So you you know, in your minds, you want to know that. Where Dale and I are now cruising around in you know I know that's in the collective psyche of all Canadians they, you know you got to be proud of Haida Gwaii right it's a it's a pretty excellent place to be and we want to protect it but so is wherever you live right so um, why am I saying that Dale I know, I you're trying to sound eloquent well, Kerry. I'm just trying to be this
1: big shot guy that's trying to help appreciate I think I think Fred's concern at a deeper level probably is that it doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how much we love our home and try to look after it if the rest of the world doesn't look after their lands and their seas and their waters and rivers. Yeah. We're all connected, so we're screwed too. So yeah. So it behooves us all to try to look after stuff, right? That's right. So
0: uh, you know what I'm gonna do? Let's roll, let's do me a favor. Just bear with me for a minute. Let's kind of do this now and again. Right, roll down your window. Let's take it in a big breath. Our good fresh air that we have here in Haida Gwai and be appreciative. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice air. pretty good, eh? And uh, I just hope that everybody can appreciate their air where they live and uh, because it's blowing around this planet and collective. Together we can. I don't know. I'm just getting all eloquent again.
1: What else do you want to see? Something more serious now, Dale. We're crossing the Mammon River. We're out of the valley. Pretty soon, we're going to join the Queen Charlotte Main at 15k. That's He's talking right about up ahead. logging roads. He's talking about logging. And roads. then, and then we're five. Let's see, five ten. Probably 15 kilometers from uh, what some people would jokingly call civilization, and that would be the town of Port Clements, a town of about four or five hundred people. Uh, and uh, yeah. Way, uh, the way Fred and I look at it, we're leaving civilization and going into chaos. Yeah.
0: But I just have to drop Dale off there because I live a more quiet life in the woods. So, I've, you know, I'll be there for a little while.
1: Can you see anybody coming that way? Nope. It'll go down on this side, but not up. No, nope, please, coming. I better, better put this window off. Yeah, oh, sorry. I'm going to put my lights on, too. Just... Despite how good our fresh air is, yeah, it's starting to get chilly. <laughs> yeah, I forgot it rolled them down. Now we're Focusing back. On the road here, it's still pretty slippery. We're back on the main line, and there's other tracks on the road now. Yeah, we're like you can see other people's tracks, and
0: the road's a lot wider. Let's see. There, I can see still Martin there's tracks It's Still on Martin tracks. Yeah, even though on the main line, you can see it, right? So the vehicles don't really seem to bother them too much. that's a big one when it comes to forest fragmentation you know you've probably heard all the people that listen to the CPC and anyone that cares or thinks about it you think about the mountain caribou and all that kind of stuff and you know we have issues all across Canada uh, that relate to uh, the viability of large populations or intact populations of large mammals etc and the major issue is fragmentation of the landscape we all know what I'm talking about but essentially roads create fragmentation and then all the associated impacts that go along when it comes to nature. But then there's always like the rebounding effects of nature and the exuberance of nature and then the weathering aspects of the Earth's processes and time changes everything.
1: These are just general thoughts. It's an interesting one because... It, except for the extreme degradation of, you know, after a fire or right after log or whatever, but by the time ten or fifteen years have gone by, there are always species that benefit from the openings and from the new growth. Yeah, right? and that's that. In so this is that relates
0: that part of that conversation relates to um, sort of the rate, what is known as the rate of change, or inside of the natural condition of the landscape. So there's. If you're observing it from, sort of, say, my perspective, thought pattern, I would look at um, the types of changes that were affecting a landscape that related to, so let's say, humans, for one thing. I would want to know my own involvement and the collective involvement of humans on the landscape as I was interpreting that. And I'd also want to know what a natural system would be uh, inside of and sustainable relationship between humans inside of that, that ecosystem like for instance here on Haida Gwai, uh you know the historical human population of the native inhabitants was higher than we have currently today and largely uh, fed entirely from the surrounding environment you know what I mean without much agriculture.
1: So that's something. The problem is today, just for example in the seafood market there's 574 boats fishing the waters of Haida and 7 of them are from here and um, over 50% of the food seafood that comes out of the ocean that gets sold on the west coast of North America over half of it comes with 100 kilometers of this island uh, right from San Francisco north for that volume. So it's the richness of the of the lands and the sea around here are not have never been a, the problem. It's a cornucopia. Uh, the problem has always been uh, that the outside world has come in and taken, by and large. Once in a while they employed us to help them take the wealth, but the wealth all goes south. I mean, inside of a Canadian perspective
0: or a global perspective, uh, one of the ways I would add to that would be to say that... Um, you know, uh, our areas are really just consi- our biomass removal zones, right? So Canada, uh, Canada itself prides itself as a trading nation, but a lot of that stuff is raw resources. And uh, so basically, we're providing raw resources, uh, the biomass. Uh, and so, um, you know, again, from another perspective, that biomass has uh, um, been objectified by the human mind and turned into a commodity which is involved with the surrounding um, economy and the, 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 all the notions that go along with it. So it's complex interplay between collective mindset of humans and the paradigm that they're all sharing. Like, is it a? what's your paradigm and how are you interfacing with nature? So um, it's important to remember that it's a myriad of ways of interrelating with nature and observing and valuing nature. It's not just one way. Some of the ways that um, I value to try to learn, I guess, would be some of the ways that have evolved over long periods of time. Not just solely the ones that have come from the uh, Industrial Revolution and uh, all of those things. Uh, I think it's an interesting time to reflect back on some of the earlier aspects of the human consciousness, like um, the Paleolithic mind, at that, from what I would call a postmodern primitive perspective, where um, you interface with your upcoming um, life in a way that also reflects on the past of humanity, and I think there's values to be attained. Those types of thinking, that type of thinking that would understand how we could interface with our local environments better, just like our some of our ancestors did. Now, I'm not saying it, I'm not trying to be saying that it's all idyllic and everything, but I would say that there's all kinds of values that could be attained from
1: ancient mindsets that we're not currently using today, because we're taking, you know, pretty... And on the, on the other side of things, Fred, Yeah. just to take some of the romantic stuff away from us. Yeah, uh, bring a little realism into it. Yeah, if I gotta any- get more gas when I get done. Yeah. If anybody, uh, if anybody that's listening to this knows of an example, I'd be interested to hear it. Uh, because in yeah, thirty love. years of my life, me along with a lot of other reasonably intelligent, and experienced people, uh, looked for an example of the sustainable resource industry in the history of the world. So we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Didn't have what? So we, you know, just we just tried to find one example of a sustainable resource industry somewhere on the planet at any time in history. Where uh, humans have done that? Yeah. Where they've tried to? Well, no, where they've done it. We couldn't find an example. Well, I would uh, have to so argue. that The I would concept, have to the concept uh, that people, f- that our ancestors 4,000 years ago overall had a real good command of sustainability, I find rather laughable. They had the ability to be nomadic because there was a lot of unoccupied land. And if they overdid what they had to do in one area, they could move off to the next. It was only when we started running out of new places to go that sustainability became, started to become important. And we are not good at it. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, I thought that last part, I agree with you in terms of how you, in terms of how you did that last little section where um, we're not very good at it and it's only the thing is our success has created this um, our lack of uh, intimate um, remind that's the wrong way to put it sorry I'm going to go backwards because I'm just an amateur podcaster but the point what I'm trying to say is that there is a lot of value that has allowed us to survive as far as we have as a species and that there is a history interrelating with the planet that has been successful up into our current um, status as humans here and now and I see though, when I reflect back, it's like sitting on the edge of a wave with a surfboard and you're going over the crest I look back at the swell of the wave, which has brought us here and I wonder where we're going Like and the main thing that concerns me is our interfacing with uh, and acceptance of and our reliance on all these technologies, which are becoming ubiquitous, which we have no way—like, for instance, in my own short, brief life, and Dale's at the same time as Dale, we've seen a lot of changes. You know, remember the first um, calculator? And then, oh yeah. I mean, the you know with the adder. I was brought up with, believe it or not, I was brought up with a slide rule. Slide rule, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I never paid attention to that dang slide rule but when yeah I had a hard time with math for a while what's that that is a fox Foxborough sorry
1: um, anyways I don't want to get all complicated and make you know, it's like, the, you know the challenge for the human race though yeah. is that it's it's only been uh, maybe we haven't quite got there yet but we're very very close to running out of uh, new areas to expo- to exploit for. For our own benefit, I don't mean that in a bad way. I, uh, I don't know. My son's uh, well, finding all was, these new
0: ways of yeah, like looking at things that we never thought about. These well, younger was, generation. When there was 50 million people
1: on the planet, uh, you could so have my huge societies that could afford to be nomadic, uh, and all of a sudden we've kind of filled up the place. Well, yeah. Some, uh, and what uh, I don't know how long we can exist on the. Uh, on the current state of affairs. So you
0: know, you know, Dale. I'm gonna have to say and I hate to be the um, the, the um, sour grape in the bunch, but uh, it's unfortunate that we got to close up this this episode because we're we got to get on top of this road here. It's getting a little and, slick. Again. And so I want you to solve all those problems for me now in the next. I'm gonna give you a minute to solve those problems that we were just talking about. This is so easy to? Uh, give me us. Give me one solution. Give me three. Uh, in a, least, we got one minute. You got sixty children, seconds.
1: Excuse the, me. The best thing I can possibly think of is that a few more people take the time to understand uh, the, need, the needs of the uh, of the land a little bit more, uh, versus the uh, needs of the economy. Uh, granted that they're both important, but one's permanent, and without the land, you're not going to have much for the economy afraid that over the next uh, four to six years we might do ourselves irreversible damage with some of the uh, leadership policies that we have with people that just don't have a clue. Well, uh, yeah, but we're talking about nature, so. And that's what I'm worried about is nature. That's what I'm really worried about.
0: Dale's a bit of a politician, so he always goes that route. And I'm I'm always trying to. Anyway, it is all related, though, I guess, isn't it? Unfortunately, it is. Yeah. So that's why we all gotta uh, get to ourselves together uh, for the benefit of nature and ourselves in all ways and of course we know that we take from nature because that's what we do but we got to make sure she can got to allow herself to give it to us. Yeah, we got right? to find a
1: way to be part of the solution yeah. and try not to be part of the problem.
0: And that's one of the reasons I like to explore intimately. We'll get back to that after we drop Dale off in some of the next episodes. We're going to look a little further into some of the really side of nature. Here, we're going to look at tracks. We're going to look at different plants. And, uh, I know that all sounds really exciting, doesn't it? Okay, so, anyways, I'm being a little facetious. Um,
1: anything left to say, Gail? Uh, just have a great day. We're going to, uh, we're going to have a good New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah, New Year's. uh, Yeah, gosh knows what the youngsters are doing, but sitting around the place, probably visiting with friends. Yeah. Not quite as wild as it used to be. All right, so I think that'll be good. Okay? Hey? Yep. All right,
0: so we're signing off. <laughs> Thanks again, Dale. And thank no you problem. guys for showing up again, and hopefully you'll go for another walk with me. And if you can stomach that, then I guess you're a friend of mine. All right, thank you very much. And take care of yourself, and take care of each other. Bye.